0: Welcome back to the forum. Uh, we're excited to be now having uh, discussions with uh, Bassem, Shetao, uh, and Robert Devereaux on uh, private and public collections, building an African art collection of contemporary art. Um, I'll give them brief introdu- introductions because they clearly don't need introductions. But <laughs> uh, so. Uh, Bassam started his career in France in in the finance field, um, in international banking, um, at BNP Paribas, um, and international management and consulting at Ernest & Young. He later relocated to Senegal to devote himself to the development of a family business in the steel industry. He started his collection assembling, uh, over the past 15 years, 300 works by Senegalese artists. Then we have Robert Devereux. After graduating from the University of Cambridge, Robert Devereux worked with the Amnesty International and uh, Macmillan Publishers before joining Virgin in 1980 um, as Richard Branson's partner. Robert established a charity, the African Art Trust, in 2011, uh, which through its grant-making aims to support the livelihood of professional practicing artists producing art in Africa. I'd like to welcome um, them, and and Robert. And also hosting this panel, we have our uh, Project, uh, rather, our um, program director, Koyo Kuo. No, no presentation, no introduction either. So, welcome our guests. Thank you.
1: Uh, good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Good afternoon. Bonsoir, for those who speak French, uh, I think there are in the salle. Be indulgent with my English, I will try to make all the presentation in English. And uh, I hope to share this experience with uh, all of yourself. I don't know how many people speak French in, in the room, but uh, I will make it OK, good, <laughs> one or two, three. <laughs> so building a pri- I'm going to speak about building a private collection. I'm really trying to make it interesting. So when Koyu asked me I, because something art, you know, it's really difficult, but I will, I will try, because it's very difficult to speak of 15 years of collecting in 15 minutes? You told me, "Koyo, I don't know 15 minutes. I said, okay, one minute per year is going to be really something difficult to make and um, let's try to make it. So I said, take it another way. If I have just after 15 years of collecting find just six words, six words to speak about the collection, what should be these words which will came obviously to my mind. And so 300 words, 50 artists, one country. I'm only collecting Senegal in six words. The words who came, obviously, it was these ones: One, a collection should be deep-rooted in the history of a country. Two, modernity. Three, madness. Don't, answer, don't question me now, what is madness? We will come to it after. Pivotal work, very important thing in a collection. Trajectory and light and shadow. So, I'm going to make some six snapshots on the collection, really simple snapshots, and I will share it by illustrating all works from my collection. I'm not going to show 300 works, I'm doing something like 15 or 20 works in the collection, but it will give the general idea of how collecting contemporary art is made by somebody who is living in Senegal, living in Africa, working in Africa, who has been born in Africa, even if he has traveled a lot in all the parts of the world. So this is the way of it. Let's start by deep-rooted. A people without knowledge of history, origin and culture is like a tree without roots. This is very important. The first thing I was looking in the collection is to have something which is in-depth history. History of a country, which is Senegal. History of the art of the country, or history of a specific artist within the country. And I try to illustrate this by this work of Sherif Tiam. People perhaps don't know Sherif Tiam in the the room, but Sherif Tiam is, let's say, one artist of the very first generation of Senegal. He is part of what people called École de Dakar. What's really important about Sherif Tiam is an artist which is still practicing until until today. He has 50 years of practicing, But what's really important for me, it was to find his China ink works of the beginning. China ink works like this one, Rache de Feticheur, um, uh, it has been exhibited at Grand Palais in 1974, and it took me five years to find it. Finding works of the 1970s from Senegal, which is the beginning of Ecole de Dakar, is something impossible. I know there are some people from galleries in Senegal here. They know that you cannot find this kind of work, or this other one, which is a tree called Gouy Birampumba, which is a baobab with has very high significance of uh, uh, Senegalese legends. Well, you can find this baobab um, paint in the 80s, in the 90s, because he kept making the same painting on a very long period. But finding the first work, which is a matrix which has generated all the others on all this year, it was very, very difficult to find. If you if I tell you how I found this kind of works it was not in a gallery it was not in a fair it was not in an exhibit. I found it somewhere one day after 5 years of knowing Sherif Tiam when I went to his house and I told him just I wanted to see a portfolio was under his bed he has hidden it and it was just there and it had inside it 10 works of the 1970 which are a real treasure for history I think If you look at Baobab, which is um, the work um, down, um, the only other one is in the collection of government of Senegal, in the patrimon of the state. So finding works is very important, but finding in the real period, at the beginning, is much more important. We cannot speak of history of art of Senegal without saying two words on Pierre Lodz. Pierre Lodz, I think all people interested in art know him, is a French um, person who has lived in Africa, he started in the 1950s in uh, Brazzaville, he founded the Potopoto School, that I think all of you know, and then he came to Senegal in the 1960s, recruited by uh, Leopold Sedar Senghor, the president, in order to found another school, which is the Ecole de Dakar School. It's very important because he, he really had a big influence on the first generation of artists, with this, um, I don't know if you can share the ideas, but saying that people can make laissez-faire, and uh, people shouldn't master the technical drawings, and at the end, we are just born artists. We, can, we, we don't become artists by mastering techniques. So this is something that he made in Congo for Potopoto um, for, um, Poto school and in Senegal. What I'm going to share here is something much more different. One day in a Senegalese atelier of an artist, I found this work. I said, wow, this is a Potopoto Poto school work. It looks like tango, if you know tango from Potopoto School or you look at Goten, this doesn't look like Ecole de Dakar. In fact, this work has been made, It was the only time in 15 years that I found the influence of Puto School on Ecole de Dakar. This work looked like completely all the style of uh, Puto School and it was being signed by Diallo in the 1970s, which is an artist of the first generation of Senegal. So this was... The proof that somewhere, even if Pierre Lotz didn't want any influence on his Ecole de Dakar, he wanted authenticity. In fact, the Pottopottos school has influenced some people from Dakar. I found only two works in 15 years who have this symbol. Three, Ecole de Dakar, this is the kind of work in the 1970s, or this one. Amadou Sek and Yatasek are two brothers. They tried to let's say, they considered themselves as they were um, inerators of, let's say, the big traditional art of masks and sculpture. And they wanted not to copy this mask, not to make the same thing, but to invent something which is a new visual art, uh, which is making some mask-like forms and some uh, new decorative shapes. All this work... This is very representative of Golden Dakar. Very, very representative of this. Uh, influence of the mask on the Ecole Dakar. And if you see it, there's no perspective, no volume, no depth. Senghor, a Kutli mask. I really like this figure. Senghor listening to the mask and not not looking at the mask. It's very important, like if the mask has something, a message to give to them. And what's really important about Senghor, that all this first of Ecole Dakar is also um, a symbol of what we can call an official art made for, um, for illustrating uh, the philosophy or poetics of Senghor. Alpha Walid 1970. If I showed this figure, that to see even in the first generation, some people were outside the official uh, trajectory of, um, of the first Ecole Dakar. Alpha Walid Jallu was the only one who was making some portraits or monumental um, landscapes and he was considering himself as history painter. Like if you look at Jean-Louis David in, in France, which was making these uh, Napoleonic Wars, he was considering himself somebody who have to illustrate all the history of Senegal. And this is very important. He was against the First Eagle of Dakar, which is saying, well, why we have to go and invent, go to the myths or legends Let's go to the history of Senegal and illustrate it. And this is very important. Alpha Walid made a very big, if you look at this first one, this is, has a very high historical level. Every detail of the costumes are well documented with the archives. These people are from all the countries. These are the first people from independence, from Guinea, from Mali, from Senegal. And all the details of the costume, of the figures, this is, this is between history and art. Alpha Walid Jallo was not in the first. In fact, he was not supported by Ecole de Dakar. He, he died in a very poor situation. And I tried to save all these works, and I found some of these works were documented by Alpha Walid Jallo, which is 300 years of history of Senegal by his hands. It's a real treasure. Modernity. Ivan I have no desire to be fashionable. Certain people seeking exotic thrill expect me to serve them folklore. I refuse to do it. Ibn Jai. For me, Ibn Jai is a friend, late Ibn Jai. He is perhaps, and um, I really uh, support and defend his idea, the biggest, the most important painter of Senegal, more than this, one of the five more important painters of all black Africa. This one has founded a modernity in the contemporary art of Senegal. He is at the same level than Ernest Mankoba of South Africa. I show some words of Ernest Moncoba in Walgal. It's very, very good to see them there. He is from he's the same level of uh, Malangatana from Mozambique or um, Bogostian from Ethiopia or this. Five or six men who has founded the contemporary, the modern art in Africa and not the primitive art of Africa. I went to the house of Ibn Jai on ten years, every year, every year, every year before he dies. After five years of friendship with him, he offered me this book, Henri Fossillon La Vie Formes, And he told me, this book has been offered to him by I don't remember if it was Zatkin or Kutam the two sculptors that he was formed with him. And he never, he, he always kept reading this book. And he underlined a paragraph in this book, and he told me, just keep, read this sentence, and you will understand my work. I undertake this place of the hand as the duty of friendship is filled. When I start writing, I see minds who seek my mind, they are there, the stylist companions. By them, man takes contact with the hardness of thought. They impose a shape, an outline, or even a style. Ibanjai was between the very rare people in Africa who thought, in order to become authentic, you have to master the techniques of drawing, of perspective, or painting before going there. And this is very important to him. He made different thematics. One of the best known is Tabaski La Ronde, Aquilo Tour. I acquired this work just when it came back from, I think it was Africa, um, Short Independence. Uh, the big show made in New York, uh, in um, the MOMA, I think, with, uh, by O'Quinn Weather. And when it came back, I just acquired it. How I acquired it? I will tell you the story after. It was something very, very difficult to have, but. You will understand that sometimes friendship is very important, sometimes art is not only a question of money, sometimes art is something else. La uh, no. Laurent Tours was one of these thematics. He made this for a period of 50 years, mm-hmm. in the 60s, in 70s, in the 80s, mm-hmm. in 90s. In Even in 2000, I saw him exactly. making this kind of work. Yeah. The exactly. woman who cries, which is another thematic of him, the cry of a continent. Ram or the spirit, mm-hmm. something which is looking like Goya. Or the jazz thematic, and have many others I cannot just see. What's really about Ibadjaye is that he kept making the same thematics in the five thematics. He had only these five thematics jazz, Tabaski, portrait, cry of a continent, on many different years. And I will just give now a look at this work of Sene Kabara. Sini Awakamara is also collected in my, in my collection. She is there. You know, all people know Sini Awakamara since she had been in the, in the big exhibition called Magicien de la Terre in Saint-Pompidou. What was interesting for me is what Ibn Jay can think of the work of Sini Camara. And I remembered this. Be on guard against those who require you to be African before being painters, those who in the name of authenticity, which remain to be defined, continue to want to preserve you in an exotic garden. I'm not against primitivism in Africa. They are there. Sene Awa is the only artist of Senegal who is in this primitive, let's say, authentic, autodidact school. But what's really important is that to show just close to Sene Awa some other works, which are modern art also. This is what Magicien de la Terre hasn't made, in fact. Magicien de la Terre was only focusing on some... Authentic works, what is authentic in Africa? And this is the debate in 10 years, so we're not entering in this. But it's really important that in my collection you will find Sini Awa camera, and this one is a very important one. It's not the small potteries that you have 20, 30, it's one that means more than one meter. But you have also Suleiman Keita, which is a student of Ibanjai, who is mastering the techniques, or Fode Camera, who is another student by Paulucci, which is student of Ibanjai. So mastering really is a technique. This work has been made in 1989 uh, in France for the Bicentary of revolution in France. And this work, it took me, uh, I think, six months to take it back to Senegal because it was in a museum in France. And with the help of Fodé, we just came it back. Because it's one of the masters of his, of his work. Three. <coughs> is it okay? Not very fast. Okay. Madness. When times are wise, poets are mad. Times are wise as far as under the negritude of the first generation, in fact. I'm going to speak about this man called Elad Gisi. is a man of the second generation. He made this kind of work, and this kind of work has been exhibited, I think, by Clementine Delis in Whitechapel Gallery in '95, when she made seven stories about modern art in Africa. Because it is a key word but they were exhibited alone, without any other from the first generation artists of Senegal, because we cannot understand LRGC if we don't see the first generation of Senegal. The the speech of LRGC is how can he free, um, let's say, the art from the official discourse of the first generation, or all the guidelines given by the first generation. So he started like this by painting, if I go back, by painting with his feet. He made this 10 years. And he stopped this when the government has bought the first painting made with his feet. He stopped this and he started to make this kind of work using local jute sack, you know, this uh, sacking containing rice. He just takes this, local, local um, uh, materials, and he started to make these works, which can look like masks if you look at it, but it is something else. He's freeing from all the guidelines from the first generation. He made also this kind of work, and he decided to sell this work at the price of a sack of rice. He wanted When many people, if you go to Senegal, you, people you have one, what was the official sort of tapestry. Uh, you have a manufacturer of tapestry like Coblin in France, like Aubusson. we have a tapestry called Thiès, manufacturer of Thiès. And uh, the work of this manufacturer of tapestry was very, very expensive. So in reaction with this, he went much far. His work were much more, let's say, technically um, uh, advanced than those of manufacturer of Thiès. And he sold them at a very, very, very low price. Pivotal work. Okay, what is this? I understood that the attitude of the statues are attitude of dance because African dance submits the body to a break in equilibrium in order to create another. It doesn't mean anything like this. What I'm looking for, in fact, in the collection is how an artist can just start a new movement. at 180 degrees shifting from all what he has made in the uh, before. This is what I call Eauve Charnier. And to illustrate this, I will speak about Vigidiba. Vigidiba is also an artist of the second generation. In the late 80s, he made this kind of works. All these works were, uh, let's say, people were living in the street, like um, the um, mentally ill or uh, street vendors. And he made these colourful works on many years. And then in the 1991, this kind of work, which is O'Neuveni, came. It was something which has nothing to do with the others. What was really important is to see this work, which this work has been the beginning of an all new uh, period of Viediava, which is going to last, I think it's lasting until now, 15 years. This one's the first one that he made. And when you discuss with Vidi he tells you that, well, one day, he was just uh, thinking about what is Africanity and how can he make this in his works. So he, he, he has taken a leave of three months, he left his work as teacher in um, uh, art school, and he <laughs> went to the Museum of African Art, traditional African art in Dakar every, every day during three months to see all the statues and understand what was the formal between the statues and to understand what is the essence of these statues. And after these three months, he made this work. He understood that what's really important in the traditional art of statues is that these statues are like dance. Verticality, balance was very important, and weight were very important in these traditional statues. And the dance, if you look at African dance, African dance, the center of gravity, is just much near the ground than it is in valse or anything else. So this kept him in order to represent the traditional art without representing masks, without representing sculptures, but in something different, and this was the starting point. This work is very, very, very important. It was the starting point of a war period. It was a shifting point, and it was not to sell. I found it, in fact, one day, when I went to diva house and um, was just looking around, I found this in his son's um, room, put there, and it was not to sell. It took me one year discussion with Diva, to take it. <laughs> but I did it there. Presenteur des silhouettes. Five, trajectory. Another thing is important. Sometimes artists make a complete pivotal thing, 180 degrees, some other artists evolve, and it's really important that a collection shows this evolution. That's why I'm insisting on this point. You should have works on different periods of an artist, and you, have, you should also have the key work of one period, or this work which is going to make a new, a new trajectory. So, trajectory is something different. It's evolution, but by steps. And I will list it by Musatin. Musatin is also artist of second generation. He started in the 1990s. He was making uh, works, um, and uh, like this one. And uh, they were, he said that people wanted to touch his work because there was, like, a feeling of relief. But there was not. It was an illusion. So it gave him an idea. Eight years later, he started this kind of work. He put relief in his work. He made. Plywood, this is plywood on Canva, which is really in relief, in volume. But this period lasted only one year. One year after, he started this series of elevation. It's a K series of and it was going to last 10 years. He started to make some metal figures, really bolted in the background. And what's really important is that he made an evolution in techniques by now including these metals that he has, hating them before, hammering them before, and put them in the underground. But also his discourse around this has changed. It became a metaphysical discourse. He said, if you look behind the figures, you have a certain light which is in elevation. And for him this elevation is elevation of spirit. And he put it like these figures, he called them bifal, which is something that's not really, perhaps, have meaning here in London. But in Senegal, Baifal are the followers of a religious guide, which is Cheikh Ibrafal. And this becomes something much more metaphysical for him. Not only evolution in techniques, but also evolution in the... And he went one step further at the end. He just erased backgrounds, background. There's no background. It, he, he, he made metal background completely without any, anything, and it's completely metal, and he went much more further in his discourse of spirituality. So this is also important to understand uh, from an international perspective, when we are collecting works, some works have another meaning locally, which can be social, religious, or something else. It's very important then to understand this work also by being in the local part. Last, but this is for debate, light and shadow. Everything that we see is a shadow cast by that which we don't see. I wanted to, to illustrate this by the only work of Ousmane Soh, which is in Senegal today, which is uh, the Luther Nuba, and which is in the collection. Because Ousmane Soh is in the light today. He's very important. He deserves it. I show that a lot of people from Christie's or something, some work of Ousmane Soh are selling at a very high level today. I heard some figures. So I'm not illustrating this by Ousmane Soh. I'm illustrating this by Soli Solisice is also someone who has, from the third generation, who entered in, uh, let's say, the light. Um, there are some gatekeepers in the international, and this open, they open the door, and Solisissé is one of these K, really K people, that ha, is, is working without any <coughs> complex, just going to the international market. He was in Africa Remix, late, and he's a very important, actor which in the light and he deserved it. He is a very very prolific, very very interesting man making installation, making many different works. What's really important is that he was in the light very early. He's very young. Ndaliro also is in the light today. What was really important for me is to speak people in the shadow. And this is also important. Making collection it means making some research. And some people are not in the light, not because they don't deserve it. Not because they have less value than others, just because they don't want to sell their works. Gibril Andre Diop is a very, very, very old man sculptor, one of the first ones making on iron. If people know Mustafa Dime, he is a pioneer like Mustafa Dime, but he never exhibited. In fact he exhibited once I think, and we can find one of his sculptors here in the Yorkshire Park when he was invited in Africa ninety five. This man is not seeking any light. He doesn't want to sell. Or well, he sells, but for certain persons like me, <laughs> sometimes. And he, doesn't, he is invited in many international exhibits, but it is not always what he is seeking. But his work, he is making a work, I think he, he made something like 100 works on metal. All on different works, also on a metaphysical. It's like Friedrich Brüle, if you know, in Ivory Coast. Making some difference, but he is with him, another step. So, what's really important is that Jibril André Job is also a K. Sometimes, in a collection, you should have lights. We, 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 I'm very, very happy to have Usman So, to have and Darilo, to have Solisise, K names, Ibanjai in the collection. But sometimes, if you are a real collector, you have to go somewhere where lights are not, where nobody has already put in uh, the accent, or people who don't want, people who are making real authentic art for them and they don't want to exhibit it. But art should be exhibited one day. So it's also this kind of thing that local people can make is to go somewhere where nobody goes. But I think Gibril André now is known and to understand what is there, to understand what is really authentic. And if you look at the work of Gibril André these three works are completely different in terms of techniques. You will never find two works which are similar in Gibril André He is inventing himself every time. The one called La Famille has been exhibited, I think, at the uh, Grand arche la Défense, france in fact, once, it's very old work, but he is still evolving. So this is the end of the story for my collection. I hope it's not the end of the story. And I just will end with this by giving some hope that perhaps, yes, art, you can have people in the light, you should have people in the light, but some others are not in the light, and the hope is that art is very different. And uh, as... It is uh, as far as it remained like this, where you have some authenticity, not only let's say money, which is working. Then we will be confident. We will be happy to collect, and we continue to collect. Thank you very much for listening <laughs> to this.
2: Please, uh, thank you so much, Bassam. Please join us here. At you uh, could be more comfortable sitting, maybe. Um, thank you for this very insightful introduction to your wonderful collection. As a Dakar-based person, um, uh, I know Bassam's collection, and uh, I always say that uh, he's the only serious collector in Senegal, and uh, he doesn't like that burden, but uh, I like truth. so. Um, it's, uh, it was uh, very important for us when we were building the focus on, on collection to, uh, to invite Bassam to, uh, to introduce what he's been doing over the last, over 20 years with uh, specifically focusing on collecting contemporary Senegalese art in a very uh, systematic and scientific way, uh, one must say. But we also have another guest here. He thinks maybe that he would escape speaking, but he will not. Hello, Robert, and I know that... Uh, uh, I would like to, to... you didn't prepare a presentation because this should be more conversational now. Uh, I would like you, if you have from collector to collector, from collector of contemporary African art to another, do you have any kind of reactions to Bassam's presentation and also about his, uh, <laughs> the organisation or the orientation of his collection?
3: Well, I, no, I certainly do. Um, and actually, I, I, I'm not going to make it, but I have, I've got a few remarks to make. I also just want to tell you, I'm, there are going to be some images on the screen. I actually haven't seen the images. They were selected by my assistant. They bear no relation to the remarks I'm going to make. Um, They're just there because they're more interesting than I am. Uh, And also, but if you ever want to stop them and ask a question, um, do I may not be able to answer it. And also, I mean, when I'm talking anyhow, I don't really like monologues. I much prefer dialogues. I'd much rather you stop me and question me or intervened in some way. Um, But I mean, funny enough, the remarks that I was going to make really are an answer to your question because if clever curation is about, and if you do curate talks, I'm not sure whether you do, but if if clever curation is about distinction, you couldn't have picked two more distinct collectors because, I guess, I mean, the first thing I would say is I'm not very comfortable with the word collector. Um, I don't really, I mean, I am called a collector. And the reason I'm not terribly comfortable with the word collector is that it has kind of acquisitive and possessive, I think, um, connotations which has very little to do with why I... I mean, for me, collecting is about an engagement, um, primarily with the artists and their work. So, for me, collecting begins with the work. um, And consequently, it's quite... For me, it's quite a random process. Um, So my collection is extremely eclectic. Um, Again, completely the opposite to Bassam's. It it comes from um, all over Africa, although there is a... Strong focus um, on Eastern Southern Africa, and the reason for that is no more complicated than that 's where I spend my time uh, and that 's where I have a little bit more knowledge i 'm um, not a, an academic i 'm not a curator i 'm not an african i don 't live in africa i 'm really just a very ordinary Englishman with a passion for the creative arts who's channeled his that passion into um, well, for many, many years, um, visual arts and and in the last 10 years, more particularly um, African art. Um, So, it it was fascinating to see a collection that's been built, you know, with a a much more purposeful, clear mandate, with a much more, you know, with some academic underpinning. Um, I mean, for me, collecting is really primarily an emotional experience. I mean, I can talk to a certain extent analytically uh, and intellectually about work, but really, for me, work is about, the collecting is about the engagement with the work and then with the artist. And in fact, when I buy work, I quite like not to have met the artist for a period of time because I'm very easily seduced by artists. So once I've met an artist, um, I find that knowing them has a big influence um, on how I perceive their work. And I think that's a good thing at a particular point in the process but I actually quite like to get to know their work before I'm subjected to that influence. Then, of course, once I've met them and, uh, which doesn't always happen because, you know, I should think actually well over two thirds of the, of, the, of the art I own in my African collection uh, is made by artists whom I haven't yet met. Um, but you know, then obviously the, the experience changes once you get to know the artist and actually get a much deeper and more profound appreciation um, of what it is that they're attempting to do. Um, And again, I think one of the the other common denominators of my kind of collecting, I mean, I I collected nothing but British art for about 20 years, uh, is that I'm primarily interested in young and emerging artists. Um, And I think that's because for me it is about, um, it's about supporting, um, you know, people who are doing interesting, creative, innovative. um, I mean, groundbreaking is a big word because, of course, not all artists can break ground. Um, And so I tend to, to for the most part, um, acquire work by young and emerging artists. Uh, And sometimes, both for financial and other reasons, um, once they've become well established, I stop collecting them.
1: I'm I'm really happy with the comment of... Yes, please. Um, Because I think you put the point of the two ways of collecting art in Africa. It's like this, clearly. In fact, I started like you or any other international collectors. I didn't know the artist at the beginning. And I started to, at the beginning, when I have to choose, uh, let's say, works from artists, it was emotional. And um, I had some little work, let's say, I have perhaps one of Musatina or something. Then something had changed. And um, I agree with you that you cannot make the same thing. If if you want to collect African contemporary art, you cannot make what I make for all the countries in Africa, all you have to be a billionaire or something like this. But even money will not access you to make this. Because it's time consuming. And it is something as you said which becoming analytical, academic, is something which is something like a research. But for me in Senegal, and I agree with you that I started like this, collecting some work, not knowing people not going to atelier, not going and discussing with people. I, I, I thought that I was missing something. I, I couldn't make understand some of the work if I was not living there, if I was not speaking with the artist, and if I was not making this research, because at the end, when you go to Dakar, you don't have any museum, you don't have any art critics. So I have to be a museum, art critics, a researcher, even if you have some research on contemporary art in West Africa. Now, If one day I will expand my collection to go further than Senegal, if I decide like you, for instance, let's go and collect African between I don't like this word, collecting African contemporary art, because what is African? It's not African. Why do I have to collect? But let's say, if I find an analytical way to open Senegalese collection to some artists, then I will make like anybody. I will become an international collector based in Senegal because I'm not based in South Africa, I'm not based in Congo. Then I will make a selection of some artists. How can I base my selection? I will take the big names, I don't know, I will say, okay, i in Ghana, I can afford it again, now it's out of, of, of in the market, I can take Twin 277, I can ask Mankoba, I can take some names. And I will not make the same research because it is time consuming. This is research, this is academic research. I didn't want to make it, in fact.
2: That's why I think uh, one key word and also one that we use in our lining of the of the of the panel is uh, passion. So I think that how how much does passion? I mean, Robert said about his passion, but I also I know that you have a lot of passion behind your you know, uh, acquisition, acquisition strategy. Mm. And it cannot only be analytical no. because as a, as, a, as a collector, you don't, uh, you're, I mean, the collector that you are, you are not acquiring work to, to, uh, to, to give it for, for, for art, criti- art criticism. So how much of a passion and how much of a, you know, engagement and support is driving your, your acquisitions? Well, you cannot
1: collect if you don't have passion, yeah really it's not possible to last in years after years and if you and and you cannot you cannot take an artist in your collection if you don't feel anything with mm. the, with the work or something like this. it is not completely cold, it is very warm mm. I mean works who enter the collection they are not you should feel something when you find the work i mean its the first thing because some some, and some <gasps> Some important artists are not in the in the collection because I don't feel anything with the work, or whatever it is. But sometimes passion meet what is important in the history, and this is this is what's really important. If you can collect something which is which you have a very high feeling, and in the same times your feeling is in uh, let's say uh, is converging with the importance of a work, whether it's historical or then. Then you are building something which is important. I'm I'm not saying no. When when you invite me, I think generally I don't even want to speak about my collection. But you invited me so kindly, and I came to to speak about this because I I I I I really like to be in the shadow. I'm making my work there, making this. Nobody is asking me anything. When when I made my exhibition in 2007, I had many 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 people asking me to make the same exhibition elsewhere. I haven't made it. And so, so passion is very key, I think, in what you are making. It's very, very important. And, um, I, I otherwise, think I
2: because, I mean, in opposition to what Robert just... In opposition to what Robert just said about that he's acquiring work out of... He doesn't even need to know the artist yeah. in the beginning. But this is and, good exactly, and that You yeah. linked your acquisition no, yes. very much to knowledge and also to proximity with uh, with the artist so uh, yeah, it's important,
1: mm-hmm. because if he can choose something which is special and something which is important at the same time and if if you are, but you can also acquire uh, i have many works that are not very important in the collection you have it by passion but they are not important and history will not remain these are important what i said you make i think that's what you are making with, with everything with the passion because it's taking time it's taking money it's taking whatever it is, and um, at the end if passion meets Importance then this is a good thing. Uh,
2: looking at uh, knowing your collection, collection Basama, I know that it's mainly uh, painting and uh, and sculpture. And looking at the images of your part of your collection here, Robert, I also see more or less the same. So I wanted to ask both of you. Uh,
3: yeah, although can I just actually interrupt? Because you know one of the <laughs> things that that interests me about my African collection is that is that. I've always said that I don't think I have a particularly good eye for photography. Um, Of course, if you engage in contemporary African art, it's quite difficult. Um, I mean, why would one want to avoid photography? Because and in fact, I mean, there is a lot of photography Mm -hmm. um, in my collection, which I still don't think I'm necessarily, but I I think it's it's an unavoidable and a wonderful part of what I encounter.
2: Mm -hmm.
3: So that was just a brief aside. Yeah,
2: but there is still a quite. Uh, I mean, for instance, for you, Bassam, then maybe you have to uh, answer that there is there is a heavy weight on sculpture and uh, and uh, and painting. How are these the forms that you are interested in, or? Uh, or is it, is it because maybe you don't really have the access or knowledge yet about photography and other art forms like video and uh, maybe also immaterial uh, forms? So what is the reason behind that?
1: No, I, I don't have something like this saying, I will not collect um, media or this media or this media, whatever it is. You know, I, I'm making it year after year, and I was not, at the beginning, wanting to make a collection or something which is big. But uh, if you are speaking about photography, it's very, I think photography is very, very important in, in Africa today. Um, not only what we know, which is, let's say, the Malian photographs, all people know it, but some others, treasures. So if I collect photographs, and I, in fact, I will collect photographs, it's only a question of time, of... Um, also, you know, all this cost, so you have to, to, to go further and further. Mm-hmm. And because photography, because I was focusing on Senegal, mm-hmm. Senegal was what, not very well known for photography. It was Mali mainly, or uh, this was what all the international exhibits had put. But I found that, in fact, photographs in Senegal, they are even precursor than Mali. Mm-hmm. And, and it was much more difficult to find these photographs. Because, like Mamakasse, Salakasse, Job, uh, all these people who have started in the beginning of, the, of last century mm. in Saint Louis, you just don't find mm. this kind of works. Well, I can go to Mali work because people have found the work. So there is some. It will take time, mm. and it is sure that a collection should be complete. It should not focusing on one media, sculpture or painting. And it has to be extended. So next step, it will be extended to photography, but also to something else, which is the tapestry, Mm. or even textile, Mm. in in one country. Because I'm based on one country, I can make this the whole media of this country. And uh, so now, photograph, and I think this is very, very, very important part of uh,
2: something that. I think was interesting also that transpires to uh, both what you both said. I mean, Robert said he's only interested in young and emerging. We still have to well, sort not, of not only uh, interested but primarily. I <laughs> would uh, <laughs> We still have to sort of also frame what young and emerging is because I have my own take about what young and emerging could be. And, uh, and you, you build your collection now kind of transgenerational, you know. So, and uh, can, you, can, you, can you talk a little bit more about what you consider young and emerging? Because you also said that uh, as soon as they get to establish <laughs> you, you depart them. Yeah, that
3: might, of course, just be for financial reasons. But <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, what does the moment? Because I don't think young. I mean, young to me isn't necessarily anything to do with age. It's probably more to do with, um, you know, career um, and where an artist got to has got to in their career. But I think, and it isn't. It, I mean, it's definitely not a judgmental thing either. I mean, it simply, I think, reflects the fact that that, and you know, if, if we're going to talk at any point about the African Arts Trust and. The connection that that has with my collecting, which in fact is in some ways quite remote, because the trust doesn't buy very specifically, doesn't buy work, um, is that it's really because, well, I suppose it starts. I mean, I've, I've got barely a, a dead artist in my collection. That's because, I suppose, you know, for me, buying it is about supporting the artists and the galleries. I have to say. I mean, there obviously aren't um, a huge number of, of African galleries, but. I spend a certain amount of the time when I'm in Africa talking to about to the about the importance of, of galleries. Because I find, I don't know whether this is unifies, that quite a lot of artists are suspicious about galleries. I mean they don't really quite understand why it is that as the creator of the work they should have to give anything up to you know, half the proceeds um, to a gallerist. But to my mind, you know, and perhaps this is a Western model, perhaps it's not right, but to my mind, you know, gallery is absolutely fundamental to the successful career of an artist. They're not just as a means of access to market, but because a really great gallerist is you know, a friend, a support, an editor, a, a guide, and all the rest of it. Um, so, I mean, I actually do, I mean, I would never buy a work from a gallery that I didn't love, but I do also, a you know, part of my criteria um, for buying work is sometimes to support a gallery who I think is doing important things, or in themselves, maybe young and emerging. Which hasn't answered your question at all, has it? No, no. it does somehow. <laughs> but it
2: leads me—it leads me to the next, uh, uh, next, and last question because we people we open to the floor. Uh, you are uh, Robert. You are uh, doing what uh, I call a, uh, an action, an act of de-collecting, <laughs> you know, by selling your collection to establish an institution that supports. Uh, uh, artists and African African projects. Can you tell? I mean, with the the uh, Ugandan art trust. Can you say something about that? I think uh, most what about about
3: the trust and its establishment yes. and how it was established? And, well, and,
2: yeah, and the process of de-collecting.
3: Well, I've never. I mean, fun enough. You, I've never heard the word de-collecting before. <laughs> uh, I think museums That's de-access, the don't they, or something like that. But um, well, I mean, all that happened was. I mean, a, a number of years ago, um, for reasons that. Um, to a certain extent, um, escape me. I decided that, I mean, is that uh, I mean, there's so much I could say about the African Arts Trust, but I very briefly, I mean, there's somebody who's spent quite a lot of their life involved in small NGOs. I don't really believe uh, in charity and NGOs, so I then go and set up my own little foundation, which seems like a very contradictory thing to do. Uh, but I think the arts world is different. I mean, there are very few arts organizations anywhere in the world, even in the wealthy West, that actually survive uh, on their own, purely commercially. And so the African arts, I, want, I decided that there was, uh, it's hard enough to be an artist anywhere, but you know, I think it, it, is, it is true that it is harder, um, not just in Africa, in many countries, but it, it, you know, it is, it's tough to be an artist in many African countries. And part of that reason is simply the lack of resources. Um, you know, the lack of, whether it's galleries, art schools, uh, you know, government funding, whatever it may be, the, there is a chronic lack of resource. So the African Arts Trust was really set up to address in a very, very small way um, that issue um, and um, it needed some money um, and I knew that nobody would give me any money so I decided the only way I could actually um, afford to start the trust was to sell um, a big proportion of my British art collection which is why I think Koyu calls it decollecting. Um, so I sold about 450 um, works of primarily but not exclusively British art um, at the end of 2010 Um, and use that money effectively to endow the trust um, which now spends the proceeds on it and it's a grant-making trust it doesn't own um, or manage any of its own projects Um, and it really looks to support grassroots organizations that operate on the African continent. Um, I mean, we will support foreign exchanges and shows and things that happen abroad, but primarily um, it's really to try and assist in creating sustainable long-term Projects, we don't support individual artists for various reasons. And and, well, I mean, the reason is why it also doesn't itself buy art, and that's because I do that in it personally as a collector. Uh, And I think it's quite important to keep the trust's activities and my personal activities quite separate from each other. Um, So,
2: Thank you so much. That's that's but the
3: story of decollecting, <laughs> which I shall <laughs> use a is, word I shall it, use frequently now. It is
2: interesting. <laughs> I mean, I know that you Basam, I think I can we can speak about it that you also have a, a plan to endow your collection into into a foundation to make it more less private as a personal activity and a more uh, kind of community into what yeah, can you well, say I, about I, I like
1: this work of decollecting also, <laughs> but um, in, in, a, in a term of, uh, you know, at the end, what when you look of all this work is made, is it um, worth to keep it in one private uh, mm. part or should it be public? And when you know that there's no museum, no foundation of art in some countries in, in Africa, even if people speak about it much more uh, now, uh, yes, sure, I, I uh, at the end, What was really private, which was really something which individual is becoming more and more public, more and more shared, and it has to be shared uh, because at the end, this is, even if I bought them, they don't belong to me. Uh, This is a patrimon, it's really a patrimon of Senegal today. Uh, You have some works which is, um, if they decide to create a museum, you you just uh, have to put them there. So I'm, I'm looking to some words. There was a very Important project of making a foundation or museum in uh, in Senegal in a very good place, which was in uh, Gori Island, and uh, it was a very very good project. It was a former governor uh, placed, you know, this called de um, Lispadon. People who know Gorée Island, and I, I like this idea to put the collection there, where you had so many, you know, to put the beauties, where something in, a, in, a, in an island would have so, so so difficulties before. Mm-hmm. And the project has, uh, uh, normally, it has a founding. It was been it has to be found by, at, at, this was a project two or three years, uh, or even four or five years ago, founded uh, by private, France. Yeah. Not mm-hmm. not private, and mm-hmm. uh, France uh, wanted to um, to fund this project, and then to make something which is called Maison saint mm-hmm. It's a very good idea, like Maison Médicis, or something like this, Maison saint in Gore Island. And uh, the project was to put the collection there, my collection, and also the collection of Senghor, mm-hmm. which will come from France again there. Mm-hmm. I'm putting there. But you know, in Africa, sometimes things, even if we say it's simple, if funding is there, you have politics. It takes longer time. Take long. It <laughs> takes longer cool. time, and politics is there, so we have but to wait. Happens.
2: <laughs> yeah, before we uh, monopolize and continue our triologue, mm-hmm. Uh I would like to open to the floor if any one of you has comments or any specific questions to our, to our whole uh, panellists. Yes, please. Just wait for the mic and just say very briefly where who you are.
4: Uh, my name is Giles Pepiot. I'm uh, Director of
3: Contemporary African Art at Bonhams. I'd like to ask both of you, really. You, you say that you like to interact with the artists and meet them. Are you concerned in any way how that interaction might affect the work they produce? Can I? Can I? I mean, I'm not. (laughs) I'm perhaps this is an arrogant answer. I'm not concerned particularly about my interaction with the artists. I think you raise a broader question there, and that is uh, and a controversial question, which is the interaction between um, the international art community, international art establishment, and African artists. Because I mean. I have a fascinating um, debate going with one of uh, one of the best gallerists in the world. Who I, who I think his argument is that any artist who doesn't utilize the tools of the international um, establishment isn't an artist worth being interested in. Mine's about the opposite of that, which is that for me, artists are most interesting if they are quite particular and come from a t- particular place. And reflect. so, I, I mean, if that's the kind of person you say, I think there, the, I think there, there is. Yeah, and you, but also, you've got to be really careful because what I say could quite easily come across as being in you know, that kind of incredibly patronising. And let's kind of keep African artists where they are. And and but which, not intended, obviously, to mean that at all. Um, but I, no, because I mean, I don't think that what I my relationship with an artist has any influence on their practice at all.
1: I, I I really agree with this. This is this is a key point. The, the questions that you raised. Uh, it's a question that I keep also having in mind when I go and see people who have been in the light. That's why I say light and shadow. And as I said also, like Robert said, uh, interaction of local people with, let's say, local artists, I don't think they made any difference in their work. You cannot influence their work. But what's really, and, and this is a key point, if, if you look Let's say on the Senegalese artists. If you look which artists has been under the light and has been selected by international critics until now, you find, for instance, Ousmane Sou or Mustafa Dime, people who make sculptures mainly. In the 1980s, 1990s, um, Senegal was not ground for sculptors. You had only a few sculptors in Senegal. But when these two big artists had, had been put under the light, and they had success. What happened in Senegal in the last decade is that many people entered the field in the scripture, and you had many people like Ndari Lo, Mamadi Seidi, many people considered this media as something which is very interesting in order to have a passport for international markets. This is how influence can be made. it can be made also, many people are making now installation, because when you go, if you have to go to, let's say, Africa Remix, if you look Africa Remix, which had been made in 2006, what has been selected from Senegal? They selected videos, installation. And now, what is true, what is authentic is there. These people are playing with the market. That's normal, at the end. They want also their part of the light. They want to be part of the international game and not being considered only as local artists, is this changing their um, way of making things? No, perhaps it is making things more broader and making some something which is richer. But this question is always there. So that's why I said some people are in the shadows; they are not looking for light. They make authentic art, also.
2: Uh, we we'll get. I don't think we will have the time to get to this issue of authenticity. <laughs> we had. a uh, we, we talked about it the day before, and um, I have my. I think it's uh, it's quite interesting that, especially you, Basam, talk about it, authentic art. But I would take another uh, person, and uh, I know that there are a lot of people out there waiting to get into this room. And yes, please.
4: My name is Laura Paulson. I'm a, journa- I'm a journalist. Um, just to take up from your. But, well, both your points, but I suppose your point principally, Robert, um, there's been a lot of talk this week, it's, it's not. this isn't a new subject, but there's been a lot of talk, there's been people writing about it, the idea that um, the art market inevitably affects artists and what they create, be they African or Londoners or you know, wherever they may be from, Dakar or, or Paris. Um, that, that there's a need. In fact, I heard one of the gallerists upstairs saying that um, artists need to, um, if you like, uh, they use the word, brand themselves. Want, if, if you're not, reco- it makes us all wince. But you know, it's been discussed a lot. There's no art without money, or whatever you you know. There's a piece of work on the wall is a piece of money. People have different views on this. Um, that, that that once there is lots of money involved and once artists um, have, a, have a have a have a have a perhaps a, a, an end to the international art market, does it concern both of you? Or what is your what is your view on on this argument that people are making that it that it affects the art that people will create? It, it does have an effect, whether you like it or not. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it,
3: and it would be naive to suppose that it doesn't. But you know. Um, and and perhaps I am naive in hoping that, you know, the the majority of artists and the majority of genuine artists, and I won't go on about authenticity, uh, you know, don't make work for a a market. You know, it goes the other way around. I mean, they make, you know, work that is true to themselves and then then there are various ways in which they find a market. But, you know, artists have to live. Um, I mean, I'm clearly not uh, against, um, you know, the commercial dimension of, of of the art world, I mean, I've lived in it. I mean, I've, you know, if I were, I'd be a, a, I'd be guilty of my own sin. I mean, I, but but I think that, you know, without naming, you know, countries or continents, I mean, there, there have been forums and bars where artists have very specifically and deliberately and in large quantity, you know, created work uh, that they knew would appeal to international collectors, um, and that does happen. But you know, I don't, it doesn't last. I mean, at my own again, I'm an, I'm. A, 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 terrible optimist. I always think that everything's going to turn out right on the night. Um, and I don't really believe that that lasts very long. Um, so yeah, it has an influence and you know, you know filthy money, filthy lucre, it's, you know, it, it is, it, it's there, but I think that the, the artists can rise above it.
2: <laughs> well, thank you. We unfortunately have to wrap up here because we are running a little bit late and the next panel is, uh, is waiting. I would have to ask you to leave the room and come back again if you want to be part of the next panel.
4: Thank you.